，哎呀呀呀呀呀！拜，就 angle 了呗。Four, three, two, one. Humans of Sydney, welcome to Carnage House. How are you going? Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're, in, we're in enemy territory at the moment.、So. <laughs> in enemy territory.、Um, The beef is just for YouTube, though.、Um, <laughs> no, so we got Adam and Sash and today from Humans of Sydney. You guys have got your own podcast, and you guys did a bunch of work last year, and you're gonna do a bunch of like exciting stuff this year. I'm pretty sure you told me last time that you guys like met on Exchange. Is that right? Sort of. It's a romanticised version. Yeah, we actually met in a, like a touch football competition、right. at Sydney Uni, but then we found out we're going to the same city for Exchange, which was Utrecht. And we decided to get a house together. Yeah, and that was the start of the story. And then you <laughs> it's had a fast way to get to know someone. Six months living together. Yeah,、mm. I can imagine. And then was it was it like?、Um, I mean, I'm guilty of this. The night out, where you just have a sick time and you had a good conversation, and you're like, "Sweet, we can do a podcast." Or how did it come about for you、oh. guys? Okay, so our story, like, it isn't that exciting to be honest. So、right. we were on exchange. We used to joke about having a podcast all the time, but none of、mm. us really took it seriously. But we actually had a day at Sydney Uni Sem One this year, where、uh, we had six or seven hours of class in a row, and we'd both have that on that day. And we met in this lecture called Economic History, and it was so boring. It was a three-hour lecture. It was like one of those lectures that just like he just wore the worst clothes, and he just like spoke like economic lectures. They don't like look nice. They just stand at the front. That's they true. Just, like, they don't wear clothes that fit them. They don't wear clothes that fit them. He's like this happened, this happened, and we're like. We just fucking start a podcast, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> we're that bored and we just do it. Yeah, so that so that day we were literally in the podcast, maybe so in the lecture, let's say an hour in, and we Adam went on his laptop, looked for a room, if Steve was free, we booked it. We went and we bought a USB on the way to the studio,、yeah. and we were like just sat down and talk about exchange. And to this day, that was our most popular episode that we've had on the podcast. <laughs> well, so, to be fair, I think that might be more exciting than 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 the story of like going out because I think there's probably a lot of kids. Yeah, I I I do this regularly on nights out where you you just vibe with someone. You're like, bro, we got to start a podcast.、Mm. Like, this would be fun.、Yeah. But there's not that. You, you probably get people that say that to you. Yeah.、Um, but, but I I think that actually was us because when we were at Utrecht, like both very naturally curious person people, and、um, we're both quite extroverted. Like Sachin's like so extroverted. So when we were at our house in exchange, we'd just talk all day about like startups, about technology, about political stuff. And we're just like, why don't we film these conversations?、Mm. And I think that we both love podcasts as well.、Mm. We both have learned so much from just talking to other people. So we've、yeah. both gone through stages where we literally randomly message people on LinkedIn, like, hey, let's get a coffee, and we just like literally interview. It's probably weird for them, but we ask them so many questions because we're a big believer in that. If someone has already experienced something before, they're older. They want to. They've kind of done things that you want to do in your life. Why not learn from the experiences so you don't make the same mistakes as them? You make different mistakes. So that's kind of a philosophy we both had, and we we're like, okay, realistically, starting a podcast will get allow us to talk to more people. Because as we spoke about before, having a podcast and saying, "Hey, I want to talk to you." My podcast strokes people's egos. Yeah. And I'm watching this, and、yeah. so then they're more likely to talk to us. Yeah. So yeah. that was also、so、a consideration. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling very honoured. <laughs>、um, oh, I forgot to mention. This is important though. But、uh, we recorded a video last year on Humans of Sydney channel. So I'll put a link to that in the description. Go check that out. We get into some conspiracies, the Bidens, and、um, why George Soros is the. Anyway,、um, but. Who's like? One of the things I do think is interesting is that when you when you kind of like talk, we're all like what twenty one.、Um, you find that kind of successful people who are like ten, twenty, thirty years older, who've kind of all done it, they kind of quite like helping younger people, especially people who like 
kind of have their values in the right place or are kind of look like ambitious mm. who, who are like kind of creative that they, they kind of enjoy helping that and I found something that was really when I finished like year 12 in high school I just found all my buddies who had like who, who I who I kind of knew had rich dads and I was like what's your dad's contact and I just emailed them <laughs> all and yeah. and I was like can I sit down with you for like an hour like I'm finishing high That's school awesome. need to try and work out where I'm going anyway then it was the richest guy ended up coming I went into like his big office in the city he's like big flex like with the <laughs> view everywhere and I thought I'd get 15 minutes he ended up sitting down with me for an hour and mm, it was yeah. like you know that guy would have it would be that that time would be kind of worth a lot of money but it's it, as much as it's altruistic it's also like they kind of probably enjoy helping young mm. people who who are kind of ambitious in a yeah, sense and this is something like i'm glad you bring this up because this is something i'm very passionate about i think that a lot of people in university want to get to a certain place let's say it's a job in a certain company um, they spend a lot of their time focusing on academics and studying. But if they spent maybe 10% of that time reaching out to people, getting to know people, everyone wants to help someone young. I've never met a single person that doesn't, like literally just says, no, I don't want to help you. Maybe they don't have time, which is fine, but everyone wants to help someone young. We're the future generation. Um, and I think that there's so many CEOs, there's so many people who've had a lot of life experience, and there's definitely someone in the career that you want to go into or what you want to do in your life that has one hour to sit down and talk to you and those learnings are invaluable. Mm, it's far easier to get ahead from just like one conversation rather than like 20 hours of study. Yeah. Or just exactly. something really niche like finance or like economics, whatever you're studying. Yeah. Um, but you sort of start to learn like in the business world and when you start working in like the private sectors that relations and people, is it's everything. Yeah. Like that's something I've learned in the past couple of weeks in my current job. Um, that yeah, it's about people, about meeting people, about reaching out. And I think when you're young, you do have a tendency not to do that because you're sort of scared of like what people will think of you and rejection. But then you sort of find out you don't really get rejected mm. that much. And I think, sorry, if I can interrupt, a big thing for me with that was that sometimes when I initially was starting to reach out, I'd be like, oh, I don't have anything, value, anything of value to add. But then I worked at a certain company where I was very close to the CEO and he kind of told me this and it's always stuck with me. He's like, dude, no one knows what's going mm. on. It's all, everyone just pretends they know what's yeah. going on. And I haven't seen anything to this day. I've worked at a few companies now that's challenged that, right? It's all about talking like you know well, something. Dude, uh, as a side note, I would say that's exactly what happens on every news TV show is that all the pundits and the hosts pretend what's go they know what's yeah. going on, but they don't know what's going on. But get getting back to the point, I think you're exactly right. Like, the, the concept of like actually understanding what the downside risk is in, in in something so like if you reach out to somebody on linkedin yeah, there's no downside the risk. downside risk is they don't apply or no they really. might say no it's like that's actually you didn't lose anything they didn't hurt you mm. they didn't do anything what's on the other side of fear <laughs> what's Nothing. on the other side of fear <laughs> yeah. um I, I think but what you touched on was that you often feel you don't feel validated enough to like speak to certain people. So like I felt this like a lot, like sort of prisoner's dilemma. Uh, wait, imposter what was it called? Imposter syndrome. syndrome. <laughs> that's an so economic, that's a economic <laughs> game theory thing. But like imposter syndrome, where flex. you feel like you don't like deserve to be sitting on a table with them. Yeah. Like you're not smart enough. And then you start to realize like they're still learning as well. Well, um, for, all the, um, for all the people who are watching for girl advice, it's actually like, if you go and talk to a girl, the worst thing that can happen is, she might say, no, you're ugly, whatever, but that's literally the worst thing that can happen. Whatever happens, you do. Um, <laughs> I can't say, I've just heard it from people. Um, but, but no, it's like, you could have like a really good conversation, like, you know, could light a flame as they say, but that's the, that's a positive, but the downside is literally nothing. Um, 
And I think that's, it's something to keep in mind when like you make decisions. Same as like starting a podcast, right? Because you do naturally like as a person have all these kind of weird feelings and like you either get in front of the camera or you start like a creative project and it's like you make yourself vulnerable to like mm. other, well, it's like vulnerable in a sense, but it's not really that vulnerable. I mean, were you guys like nervous when, when you re- released your first podcast? Um, I think to a certain degree, maybe a little bit, but we'd both had blogs in the past and really? I, kind of, I kind of went through this stage before we launched a podcast, maybe six months earlier, where I was like, I went to this stage where I was kind of a people pleaser beforehand. I wanted everyone to like me and I was scared of no one, not like people not liking me. And I went through this stage, I, this sounds very cliche, I was in Africa, I saw a lion um, and this lion just didn't give a fuck. Am I allowed to swear on this? Yeah, my grandma's <laughs> going to forgive you for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And, and I no, was just like, and, and there's this quote that um, lions don't lose sleep over opinion of sheep. And I've always had these kind of strong ambitions and things I want to do in my life and I just realized I can't be held back from people's opinions that I don't even care about in the first place right when it, I'm sure there's people that don't like all of us for starting a podcast right there's gonna be someone out there maybe they're a little bit jealous maybe they just don't like podcasts in general that's gonna happen but I I came to a realization that I don't really care about that person's opinion that much and it's not gonna kind of stop me mm. yeah I think I had like a bit of fear I think like in the mind you like think of a couple friends and you feel like they're judging you and stuff and that slowly goes away like episode after episode but I think it's just like a general fear of like starting something new and it's like a very very rational thing because now it's like why on earth would you be scared of it mm. like again there's no risk I like, get really excited about here. that like it's also like exciting excited about like doing starting something polarizing no, starting something new. yeah yeah what do you think like obviously besides our episode which is obviously number one what's been some of like your your favorite ones that you've done so far i really enjoyed the ones with jack jacobs so he's a really close friend of mine he was the head prefect at my high school he's a very intellectual and academic guy like he loves literature philosophy spirituality um and politics especially so i learned a lot from him um just like talking to him about like what's going on in the world and he ties it to like really ancient like historical stuff um, and so we did like our first podcast was about philosophy. Um, well, they're always like sort of about philosophy. They're about everything kind of thing. Yeah. Um, mm. But he's an interesting guy. He's really someone that we say this, you could literally record a podcast with him every two days. He would yeah. never run out of content. Like, yeah. He's one of those guys. Um, mm. For me, I think the most powerful ones that I, in my opinion, that we've done have been the mental health ones. Um, yeah, that's a big focus for you. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of a direction we're kind of going in just because of experiences I'd had in my own life. And so I, and after those podcasts, people reached out to us and said it really um, helped them. There was a friend of Adam's that stopped smoking weed every day because of that podcast. And when, when we hear things like that, it's like, cool. We're like yeah. impacting people's lives. And we went to this stage where we were like getting, like, let's say a couple of hundred viewers per episode. And we just, it doesn't feel like anyone watches it, but we've gone out yeah. so many times. And every time there's three, four people that come up to us that we sometimes don't even know and they're like hey love your podcast five four three two one boys and girls are back sorry for that delay slight technical issue as is as tends to happen um when you've got amateur hour production over here (laughs) if you want to upgrade feel free to sponsor us and we'll outsource (laughs) the production but we were just talking about um as we got cut off one of the, the some of the good podcasts you guys have done or your favorites and you mentioned the mental health one yeah um what did you think you you learned about like the about mental health or that might might be valuable or helped people or that kind of would be good to know 
Yeah, so as a bit of a background, um, in 2019, I had two friends from my high school group take their own lives. Um, and following that, me and Adam decided that we needed to, we had a platform where we could um, reach young people, so we need to do something, right? Um, so the first um, person we had on was someone who calls himself Dr. Happy. Um, yeah. He's affiliated with Batia, which is a big men's mental health society. Um, so we talked to Dr. Happy and to be honest, from me and Adam's perspective, we didn't actually think we gained something that was new to us, but in saying that we have spent a lot of time reading self-development, reading all those kinds of things. Um, but the main things that, feel free to interrupt if I mm, got, mm. if I missed anything, but the main things from that episode were um, scheduling your time, um, making sure you get adequate sleep, adequate sunlight, really building yourself from the ground up, um, mental well-being habits such as um, meditation, um, controlling your drinking, all those other kinds of things. What I've learned recently is that alcohol can sometimes, like alcohol come downs or withdrawals, known as hangovers, can cause um, more anxiety than a lot of drug um, drug hangovers. Mm. I think Dr. Happy had a very analytical approach into how uh, someone should have good mental health. He broke it down into things like having meaning in your life, having a purpose, exercising, sleeping, mm. and like having a lack of alcohol hangovers. And they sort of all need to be together to be sort of happy over a consistent period of time. Um, we talked a lot about how uni students at this age can be a really weird and sort of volatile time for people. Because yeah. this is where people are sort of trying to construct what they want to do with their life a bit more where they want to like sort of work and what their career is going to be and some people sort of fall in, into a trap where that it's very stressful so they sort of pull away and they start to like drink a lot and you mix the drink in with the lack of a purpose and if you're mixing drugs as well it creates like a pretty bad situation and a lot of people go from like playing a lot of sports in high school to doing like almost nothing yeah. um, in, at the university level and it's just like n not enough structure was something you really emphasized yeah um, um, and then yeah. so and it's just interesting thing was that he has a very kind of psychologist approach so everything yeah. he talked to us about was tried and tested he sounds um, a bit like Jordan Peterson oh uh, I wouldn't go that far but yeah he had some similarities um, but I think there's some amazing takeaways from people for people on that episode that having good mental health doesn't need to be complex right mm. it's more about how being consistent and kind of making sure you're ticking certain boxes each and every day. Yeah. But then the next lady we had on, Yvonne... It was a very different approach, but very interesting. She's a psychoanalyst. So um, this, there's some conflict between psychologists and psychoanalysts mm. because you can't test things. You can't test things like... Your, yeah, the ego or something. Yeah. There's a lot of like correlation, causation problems because I think... Uh, a way to sort of give a general overview of psychoanalysis it's looking into like your past and events that have affected you and seeing how um, you are now because of those events so how did your father treat you were there any traumatic events how did you go in social um, groups and you get all these like sort of revelations about your own life like well when I was eight this guy like suck his finger up at me at school and I feel this way like just like just stuff like that some people like get um, experiences of like big trauma but again yeah it's like not really you can't test it because you can correlate like that happened now this but you can't say that caused mm. and so you've got to what we feel like you've got to be careful about creating these narratives but then I also think that's like so so important as well yeah because a lot of people don't recognize reconcile the stuff that happened in the past with who they are now so I think the key takeaways were mixing what they both said was that <clears throat> It's not too difficult to improve your mental health. And I don't mean to say that in an invalidating way. Of course, there's people, certain people that need probably clinical help. 
um, and those people should seek it without any stigma being attached. But mm. for the average person, if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling depressed, things like that, but you're drinking three, four times a week, you're not exercising, you're stressed, mm. um, and you have a bad relationship with your parents, I think there are things that you can look at in your own life to see what might be going wrong. Mm. Um, another big takeaway for me personally is that when I've had friends come to me about mental health things in the past, I've sometimes acted unconsciously invalidating towards them because I've been like, oh, why don't you try meditation? Why don't you try this? Why don't you try that? But a lot of people just want someone to talk to. They don't want you to barrage them with advice. And I think sometimes I've been very guilty of just jumping straight to the advice. Mm. Um, and that, that was a big learning for me. Yeah. There's a lot of different factors to it. For me, like, the thing I feel is most important is having sort of direction and meaning. So knowing where you are and where you want to head. But then there's also, like, really practical things. Like, for me, if I don't exercise for three days straight, like, go for a run or go to the gym, I feel shit. And it's, it's actually, like, three days straight. Like, I feel horrible if I'm not, like, sweating. So I need mm. to sweat, like, every day. Mm. Well, it's, it's kind of an interesting question. Like, is, do people feel like, more of a lack of a sense of direction or purpose like today than like in the past Definitely. and like oh, why that is and like no. why you would like how you would address that because my gut feeling is like if you're like let's say you live like 5,000 or 10,000 years ago like hunter gatherer society it's like yeah. alright what am I doing it's like alright I need to get food because we're yeah. all hungry it's like alright you know for that next 12 hours you're going out and hunting like to try and get some protein for the tribe right and then um, you know, you got to protect your tribe from other tribes. And that's kind of like, that'll keep you going for a while. Like, that'll stimulate yeah, you. Like, exactly. you're constantly mm. in contact with, like, the most primitive aspects of, like, your existence. It's like, probably, like, your hunger, your dominance, and, like, your sex drive. And then today, it's kind of like, we've been able to tame the world so much that we almost live in, like, these abstract, yeah. like, conditions where we, where, like, our adventures are, like, or, or how we go and... Um, yeah prove ourselves against the world is like well you need to make a whole lot of spreadsheets and like that's fine Excel, for corporate finance. <laughs> well that's okay well that's that's finance you need to go and make a whole lot of phone no, calls selling insurance like yeah, yeah there's um and like it's it's an improvement in society and like we're not having to you know we're not going hungry we're not getting attacked by the tribes but at the same Ooh. time it's almost like we're ma- maybe evolutionarily trained to be like, or to, or to feel like we're involved. What do you think? Mm. I definitely agree. And Adam, dis- I think you just disagree. No. You looked at me before when I was like, yeah. it's harder to find meaning today. And there's, I, there's four words for that, the paradox of choice. So um, this is a, I think a very common thing now that psychologists have looked at is that when people have more ch- things to choose from, they're less um, satisfied with what they do choose. Um, a very like quick example of that maybe. I think everyone's experienced this when you're scrolling through Netflix, you're trying to find something to watch. You don't really end up watching anything. It's been half an hour, 40 minutes. When if someone just gave you one movie to watch, one DVD your mate gave you, you're going to watch it, you may enjoy it. Mm. Um, so there's there's been studies about this that you have decreased satisfaction when there's more choices on offer. Mm. And I think we live in a time with the internet with so much opportunity and there is a lot of choice. Mm couple things to say so i think the point about the survival i think that's very true in the sense that when you're when you have an instinct that you just need to survive and you're not like caring about sort of thriving yet then you're just focusing on the sort of here and now yeah, and you right. see during wartime suicide rates actually go down like during the actual time of the war because you've sort of got this nation bonding together and there's a sense of community people have this sort of purpose um as opposed to peace times but i also think you've got to be very careful in making the generalizations about the whole meaning then and now because i think the types 
the way we get meaning, it changes. So people used to do a lot more labor jobs. Now people are doing more white collar jobs and computer, but you can still have meaning, purpose, you still have goals and aspirations. But I think every what we will agree on is that there's a lot more distraction now and you do have a lot more choice. So I think you still have the resources to construct meaning and be and have a happy life, but we do have phones, we do have laptops, um, and it is easy to get sort of sucked into that. But mm. no, no, I definitely agree with that. And all I'm trying to say with that is that the reason I think it's harder to find meaning now or a purpose than back then is just because of the more choice. Um, and I think having all that choice confuses people. But then paradoxically, sorry, just the opposite of that, a lot of people would say it's easy to find meaning now because mm. you do have that more choice. Let's mm. say if you, you could choose between like fisherman, yeah, an accountant, yeah. if you or like a, a doctor or back then. Or now you can do, yeah, 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 you can be like a yoga instructor mm. now. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think also think one interesting point is like the role that religion plays in society. Like mm. previously to like maybe 100 years ago, religion, like maybe 200 years ago, was just like dominant and it would like, provide like a, me- a structure of meaning yeah. and like everyone's just super invested in that and then like this what i understand is like when Nietzsche said god is dead he doesn't really mean like there's no god or god doesn't exist or whatever he said that like we're not in we as like societies are not invested in the idea of the god such that it, it that gives us meaning in our lives mm. and so then when we transfer like the our conception of the world from like a conception of like from the bible of like narratives and god mm. and like mm. good and evil to like a conception of the world which is like science-based and objective well, of, like some existential angst yeah mm. of like objects and um and we perceive those objects yeah. then we act it's like we don't we're, we're not oriented in like any kind yeah. of centralized way i think it's the orientation and the meaning from like religion but also a hundred years ago when everyone went to church i don't think everyone would have been fully invested in the scripture and what God said a lot of people probably didn't believe it but they just wouldn't have said it but it's the community and bringing people together which is also really important which we don't have so like yeah people don't believe as much but we also don't come together as in a group of 100 people sing dance and then have food with each other on a Sunday morning yeah that's sort of getting less because we can retreat to like that definitely would give you like an element of that structure that you talked about with like yeah. that psychologist. But not even structure, but community is just something. But you, you mentioned the, before the meaning in university, and I think that was a big thing because in high school you have these organized sport, yeah. everyone plays team sport. That's meaning. You yeah. see the same people every community, day. There's meaning, community, yeah. right? Um, and I actually wrote an essay on this for a subject we did, the philosophy of happiness. Um, and basically what the essay was, was that people were happier, people who are religious are happier because they have these things, a sense of community, because they're grateful mm. for everything in their lives on a weekly basis, yeah. and because they have this sense of purpose. It's not necessarily just believing in God. It's all the other stuff that comes around. Yeah. Mm. But if with that knowledge, we can then incorporate those things into yeah. our lives to potentially yeah. get the same kind well, of... Well, I think, like, I, I'm, not, I'm not very religious at all. Mm. Like, I would say... Well, anyway, my religious stance is neither here nor there, but the... I think... There's definitely opportunity to kind of like, I think, replicate some of the best things about religion and leave behind some of the worst things. But at the same time, it's like if you look around, where are the atheists like going to having their version of Sunday morning church where they all go and help each other? It's maybe not something that can just be replicated. Do they? Like it it could happen. Like you could get everyone coming around and reading like Marcus Aurelius meditations, but it's just you don't don't really see it. Um, But it's like... uh, is it how, how do you fill the gap? How do you fill yeah. the gap? Like nature said that that gap when God God was dead is going to be cause the deaths of two hundred million people, which is mm. 
well, that was actually scarily accurate, or scarily or accurate. Yeah. James, yeah, yeah. And so then it's like, well, mm. what? How, how do we how do we fill that up? Mm. Um, any ideas? Big question. I, I think through deliberate practice. So I'm sure there's a lot of people, and I'm just being really stereotypical here. Let's say someone that lives in Bondi, they do morning yoga practice every morning with the same group of people. There's your sense of community. Um, they're invested highly in their friends. They get dinners quite regularly. They're social. Um, they live around that area. So that's a sense of community, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I have no idea of way of telling whether that's going to be the same calories that you get, at, let, let's say a church or a mosque or something like that. Mm. Um, and then the gratitude thing, I think everyone can do that. I think gratitude is something everyone should do every mm. morning because it just puts you into this frame of mind. Um, there's a lot of scientific um, research behind it as well. So those two things are there, but then the sense of purpose, mm. it is objectively, I think, a lot harder to get a sense of purpose outside of religion than within religion. Mm. Well, I think it's definitely like, I think the Bible provides like a good, and, and you can say whether they're true or not objectively, like do prayers get answered? Well, that's, you're not going to be able to prove that or disprove that, and you're pro- it's probably leaning towards maybe not. But at the same time, like... It, that that might have like that old story which is just a narrative might have been like harnessing maybe like the law of attraction and like when you pray and you thank god for all the things that are happening like count your blessings these are things which you kind of know are good and so if you like leave religion behind maybe it's i think it's like very hard to actually come up with that stuff on your own because like all of those practices which were like embedded in the religion or embedded in the bible would have probably happened from like just incremental developments for like a hundred thousand years and then you get the culmination in this book like the bible which has all the best stuff in it so after like its own evolution of like cutting out the the least useful stuff and getting the most useful stuff you get kind of like a church or a bible and then if we say okay we leave that behind because um maybe religions have caused a lot of wars or religions have uh discriminated against people or religions have um pitch like put people against each other and we say we want to leave that stuff behind it's like maybe there's maybe there is a baby in the bath water that we need to find somehow decipher and at least translate into like what we do today because it, it's pretty difficult i think yeah yeah i don't really think um it can be replicated i think like maybe we can try and reform it we can say we're not going to take the messages as literal um we can recognize like jesus or Muhammad, whatever it's like historical divine figures even and we look at these books as like books of ethics but then say we don't believe um exactly everything about god and maybe we take away some of the things that discriminate against people like you said um and australian philosopher called ac grayling actually wrote a book called uh it was something like the secular bible and it had on one side of the page the bible on the other side an interpretation of a secularized version so all the like sort of god and jesus taken out and just like a normal sort of ethic book of ethics and so you can translate things like the bible into something that can appease Mm. people of all religions but i don't think the structures of community you can exactly replicate. So, like, sure, you can go to, like, yoga lessons and stuff, mm. but, like, I'm not sure if you can replicate people in this big hall singing and dancing and being grateful because I think people congregate together for that sort of divine purpose. Mm. So maybe, like, like I think if we chucked away all the churches right now and, like, got rid of religion, I don't know if it would be better because I don't know, would we come up with um, yeah. something better? Yeah. I don't know. And as you said, like, Christianity developed over, like, hundreds of years developed over thousands of years that's incremental stuff like we couldn't come up with something tomorrow there's definitely so many beautiful parts of religion I think a lot of atheists sometimes forget that or haven't kind of looked into it that deeply 
Um, and a lot of like the development of humankind can be tied to religion. Yeah. So I think like I think everyone should maybe in schools like when I was in school I don't know about you guys but I got taught Christianity all the way growing up. Um, and it'd be cool if instead of doing that maybe they could focus on these beautiful parts of religion that are kind of um, common to all religions. Um, and then maybe the next generation can take only the good parts of religion and build mm. those communities. Mm. Well. Here's, here's a really interesting question that I've, I've been thinking about. And I think it's, um, well, it would be common to like the, the to Islam and Judaism and Christianity at least because it's from like Genesis. But like there's that one sentence in um, Genesis where God's creating Adam and Eve and they said like these, uh, like God created them in his image, right? Mm. So there's like that element of divinity in each person and that also means if they each hold that element of divinity that each person has like an inherent value like Mm. regardless of the world around them and then like you get the US constitution it's like every person is born with these like I think it's like Mm. self-endowed rights which are like inalienable and happiness yeah right Um, I think like if you don't have that external reference point of like a god I think it's really hard to like justify the inherent value of like someone else as a person like you with with that religion like i've thought about this one for a little while it's like let's say we don't know each other and and we're both like not religious like why do i care that much about you mm. like why why are you nat- just naturally important why should i care if you get like treated fairly mm. why should i care if you have like legal rights and that's the like, whole political sort of question about human rights so like the UN has this constitution and it sets out really strictly what exactly our human rights are but you get to the foundation of it and it's like wait there is no foundation we just made up this so it's like it, it is very hard to justify why like you should have ag- access to education why you should be held be able to have your own opinions like when you get to the bottom of it that's that's very hard i think like intuitively we know like it's a good thing to have these sort of rights but, but it's very hard to is, get but, philosophical but to the bottom the of reli- it. i don't know how true this is religious people would say the reason why you have that intuition is because you're raised in like a a society which is like at least culturally religious so like you kind of like whether you know it or not when you were raised you had even if you didn't believe in god you had like uh, fundamental values from the Bible that mm. were like instilled yeah. in you from, from well, a child. I think a lot of the values that we hold high as a society, those do come from like sure. Christian but values. But let's say we just, let's say we'd kind of left the Bible behind and we didn't have that external reference point of God that kind of like concretes the morals. Like, I, I, I think it's very hard to replicate that every person has like an inherent value. And I think if mm. you don't have that replicated in a way which is kind of like concrete, I think then you can get into kind of like dangerous territory because there's no shortage of reasons why you might dislike somebody else. And if you have a dislike of somebody else, it's very easy to say, well, I don't really care what happens to them. Um, but Are we talking about people outside of your own immediate family? Sure, yeah. It can be outside your own okay. immediate family, yeah. Like can be people. I, I would argue that people... Like from like caveman times, people have this, and like an individual has an innate de- desire to survive, right? We all agree on that. And mm. I also think that an individual has an innate desire to protect their family. Mm. Um, and it, it'd actually be really interesting because I was reading a book recently. It's called Social by Matthew. La, it starts with L. I'm sure we can put the link in the description. We'll just yeah. look up social by Matthew yeah, L on yeah, Google. Yeah, we'll just get a small bottle of um, whiskey out. Just my regular, nightly <laughs> size. But um, the book is all about how humans are wired to connect. And mm. it's so innate within us. 
And you know how you meet those people that are like, oh, I don't like talking to people, blah, 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 blah. That usually comes from a point of insecurity and that literally all humans are wired to connect. And I don't know if this connection, he doesn't dive into whether this connection is a positive one or a negative one, mm. um, but I'd be interested to look into that more. Yeah, I do think we have like an intuitive um, drive to like sort of help one another to some extent um, and to connect with other people. But and, and I also coming back to the meaning thing, I think bringing other people up alongside yourself oh, gives a lot meaning of people thing, meaning, yeah, right? Yeah, of course. Um, and maybe for some people, cutting others down is a point of meaning. Um, Hopefully not. <laughs> What's the... Um, what are you guys excited about for, for this year with Humans of Sydney? Um, you mentioned you got a couple of people lined up. Mm-hmm. What can people kind of look forward to seeing? Um, I'm excited to have some more high-profile guests and, like, pretty influential and powerful people um, who will be able to... Who, who, like, they sort of make moves. Um, I'm just excited to do it, like, consistently because, like, we haven't been able to do it because we haven't been at uni um, both enjoying talking to other people. Yeah, and Ooh. we've kind of, I'll just put this out publicly, 30 episodes this year. Um, so we're going to make that happen. If we end up recording us <laughs> talking mm-hmm. 15 episodes in a row, it doesn't matter, we'll end, we'll make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I Also, I think I'm excited about getting more direction and where we want to go with it. I think we've both been having some discussions kind of on and off recently about where we want it to go, and I think we're becoming our vision of it is becoming more mutual because we started as we mentioned before the way we started it there was no vision they were just like let's let's try this right which is a good way to start yeah, yeah. It, it was a it was a big blessing but i think now we've come to a point where we have some viewers we're very happy with the number of lives we've impacted but now we want to have more of a clear direction of where we want to go um we're also thinking about a name change so um we're thinking about a name change that may reflect more where we want to go and where we want this mm. whole brand to go. If anyone's got a good name, hit us up. <laughs> we're thinking like potentially just like the Adam and Sachin, sorry, the Sachin Adam, that flows better, podcast. I was thinking like it should be associated with something like knowledge, like mm. impact, like even like the knowledge project or something. Because mm. right. we are effectively what we're doing is deriving like knowledge and experiences from people and relating through conversation. Knowledge. Yeah, well, relating through conversation <laughs> and gaining their insights. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah, well, it, it, people often have good names. Justin's like our podcast, like Carnage House Productions. It yeah, actually doesn't. Is, how does that name come from? Well, it's a great question. We did our first few podcasts without a name, and we were like, "Can someone please give us a name?" Well, because we don't have one. Um, I think it was just my personal one, Dougal Cameron, and we upload, we're uploading, and 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 then um, eventually on like the third episode, my uncle was just like, "Caught the Carnage House." They're like, okay, that's kind of funny. And then, but it kind of doesn't really, I don't know if it describes that much about what we do. Like, you don't listen to that name and immediately go, like, oh, I know what they do. Media company? Like, I imagine it was like five different shows and stuff. Names don't matter. But, like, if they're just like interesting, like yours, that's cool. But yeah, but then we were like, well, if we call it productions, it means like if we we grow and we just like take over the world, we can have a bunch of different shows and it makes sense. Yeah. But it's, um, it doesn't really just, like, you you don't get it and describe, what we're doing we did get some um logos done like graphic designer guy did some cool logos for us and it's like us holding like a it's like a greek like a it's like a hand holding a microphone that's also a snake and it's like us fighting the deep state kind of thing which is which that's is cool. kind of funny you guys could look into some like um getting some merch done that might be cool you guys might have some like oh yeah you got your t-shirts done we got our t-shirts why are you wearing it now 
Uh, yeah. Well, I, I only own the um, the muscle the muscle top. And, Does it fit around the biceps anymore? Um, <laughs> well, look, I don't think you're allowed weapons of mass destruction on the podcast. <laughs> um, I maybe have to call in Steve Irwin because there'll be two pythons in here who, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> who need to be wrangled. <laughs> um, that's good, man. I really like listening to um, to your podcast. I think we 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 often come, or at least like probably all three of us have like a few different perspectives and life experience and like mm. sometimes often different opinions but i think you guys are definitely really good at like i think approaching things like honestly and then also like yeah. definitely not being afraid to like learn and like mm. to show that like you don't know stuff and like i think it's like very much refreshing particularly like I know everyone talks on about this and every time you watch Joe Rogan, he's just like battling on about how good podcasts are. But I think like it's refreshing when you listen to like guys like you who are, um, who are trying to at least have like the open conversation and be like, we might end up in different places and still not agree at the end, but at least in the middle, we're going to try and see what we can do. And so you get people like, yeah, I'm sure there would have been like a lot of people who disagreed with like what I said on your channel mm. and you would have you you've had other people from like student politics you've had mental health people on um i think you can learn i all i'm trying to say is i think you can learn a lot from your podcast because you, you aren't pretending to like yeah. know everything yeah I, and i think people so say you've got someone from the left someone from the right in a political sense um they might think they disagree but i often find that they're just coming from different perspectives 100%. that they actually they're both uh, they might be true in their own certain way, but they're just they're focusing on sort of different issues or coming from a totally different um, direction, which means that if you come from a different direction, sometimes it's hard for them to converge. And I think where that, that comes from is that me and Adam are so curious about people. Like when we were on exchange, we just spend so long just chatting about different people, mm. and we have this gen like this genuine curiosity of just learning about people. And I think we both have this belief that no matter who you are, no matter if we picked up any random person off the street and said, come on the podcast, we'd learn something from them because there's so much to learn from every person's perspective. Mm. Um, and there's no there's no such thing as a conversation that's wasted time, in our opinion, or my opinion. Mm. Yeah, I think I you can say that. Find people very interesting. Um, I like I love reading just biographies, for example, and looking through people's experiences. Mm. I just it's just well, weird to go into someone else's life as well. well, yeah. well like maybe a way maybe a way we uh, we wrap this up is well at the end of at the end of last year I did like a I tried to make some money off it ended up ended up not but it was genuine in the sense I wrote like a couple of book recommendations like I think people might find valuable. Um, I had a few in that one about like China, one about. Um, I think I had Napoleon Hill. How to? Mm, um, it's a good book. What What do you guys think is? Uh, you mentioned you, you you've read uh, you're reading Ayan Hirsi Ali. Why don't it's we finish by like some book recommendations? Because we've thrown a few book titles around. What, what What's What's interesting you and what What do you think yeah. people might people might like? Um, oh, which one should I talk about? Yeah, so Ayan Hirsi Ali. That's a good book. It's called Infidel. It's a story of a refugee from Somalia. She moved around to a lot of um really heavily uh, Islamic. Uh, countries uh, while she was young, such as Saudi Arabia, um, Kenya for a bit, Somalia, etc. Um, so she grew up in an environment where everyone is is Islamic when she went to school, so just teaching the Quran. And she had a lot of horrible stuff done to her because women um, are treated really horribly um, in those countries, and that stems from the Quran and the sort of values of Islam. Um, and that sort of like promote, like made me sort of read it uh, lately. And then she moved to the Netherlands and became a politician where she quite uh, she's quite outspoken against Islam and the way it treats its women um, and sort of the values about 
how people should exist in life. So that was very um, eye-opening for me because often you do get in a situation where, I think at university where a lot of people don't want to criticise certain ideas. Everyone in a university setting, what I see, everyone's about like equality, like never sort of disparage someone's religion. And I this made me realise that there's certain values which um there's like an objective list of values. Certain values are just not as good as others. And so she really promotes taking the politics out of Islam, leaving like the religion, spirituality. But yeah, that was very eye-opening. Mm. Um, so I'm going to do like a bit of a different take on it. So I read a lot of self-development books. And I think if I was to recommend two or three books to everyone, the first one would be How to Win Friends and Influence People. Mm. I think that um, personal skills are invaluable. And especially in this day and age that we live in, I see some shocking personal skills in my day-to-day life. Mm. And I think when you can honestly look someone in the eye, tell them you're curious about them, to ask them different questions, that's going to be the biggest point of getting where you are now and where you want to be. Um, I think it's just, yeah, it's just invaluably important. Mm. Um, and then another one that I recommend, it's actually two books that kind of similar, is Tools of Titans and um, Tribe of Mentors, both by Tim Ferriss. Um, I think we spoke about his podcast earlier, but Tim Ferriss is an amazing guy. And these two books are literally just summaries, very short two, three-page summaries of people he's talked to. So you've Arnold Schwarzenegger, like all the craziest people in the mm. world. And it's literally like you're, you're reading these 300 pages and you're learning from the life experiences of the most amazing people. Mm. So we talked about those coffees before, how you can learn from someone's experiences. That's that in a book. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I completely agree with Satch. And like, I've sort of been through a phase where I've been obsessed with like politics, world religions, and their influence on society. But if I had to say like the most, that just keep If I had to say like the most helpful things you could read, it's those books Satch and read. It's things like Think and Grow Rich. Um, books by Ma- like Mark Manson. Um, what is it? The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Um, models by Mark Manson. <laughs> we need like, to do a whole nother podcast on models, but yeah. <laughs> but like those, there are like some self development books, um, which are great if you reflect on them and put the lessons through. So I was like, yeah, you might be interested in history and philosophy all that stuff, but if you want like really benefit yourself and you're mm. not just curious, it's like those mm. books. Yeah. Well, appreciate that because. You know what? One thing I saw, I read recently, it's like kind of part of the um, principle of unequal distributions, as they say. Like, you know, the saying that, like, to those uh, who have everything more will be given, to those who have nothing, everything will be taken. Mm. But they have, uh, there's like a million, one and a half million books that get published every year in the US, but there's only like 500 which sell more Mm. than 100,000 copies. And so you can walk into a bookstore and there's a lot of stuff which is might not be worth your time, but you got the smartest people in here to tell you where to go. Um, I would leave you with my favourite. Well, one that I came back to recently is called a... It's by a guy called Hendrik von Loon and it's called The Story of Mankind. And it's supposed to be a children's book, but it's like... It's a few hundred pages, and it, but it's about like the history of the world since, since, like, uh, since nothingness or the history of the universe since nothingness, like the first chapters on like the cosmos and stuff like that. And it was written actually in like 1920. So some of the old stuff might, is, is probably not, not right, but it's not like a day by, it's not like a year by year, like factual kind of thing. It's almost like a story and it really helps you. Like the, it's supposed to be a children's book. And so it's almost like a narrative and it like really helps you orient yourself like kind of in history and kind of understand in at least like some basic ways what what kind of life was like in different times and what are the things that kind of contributed to where we are now um 
But look, any uh, any last shout-outs before we go? Um, so I'm just going to list books because hopefully if anyone's watching this, these are books that have changed my life. So Man's Search for Meaning, um, Victor Frankl. The Alchemist. Yeah, The Alchemist, Discovering Your Meaning in Life. We've talked a lot nice, about this. Yeah. That's a book that it's like a fable about um, finding your meaning in life. And then for spirituality, just one book, The Power of Now. I That's think. a great book. The Power of Now. Is That's that, like um, the who's that by? El, Eckhart, Eckhart Tolle. Tolle. Eckhart Tolle. I read one called like I read one by Eckhart called the, like Earth, oh, the Last Earth. The Last Earth. I read like the first chapter. I just couldn't do it. I felt like I was. Oh, what? <laughs> I it's, it's a big cook to be honest. Like, I felt like it was a little I, bit. I think it's like you've got to maybe be in the right place. Right? <laughs> like I read the Power of Now when I was in India. So like that's sort of that's a very spiritual place. I was like yeah. staying at a yoga retreat place. Yeah. But it's like that's the only book I've ever read that has had like a physical effect on me. Like it literally like you feel like you're tr- like transcending. Your you body literally like feel like you're tripping or something yeah like when you do it and like for a couple of days after you read it like your state of mind just changes and you're like really look into the present moment and actually yeah. i have a tattoo of now on my ankle now so really yeah mm. it did have that, a that is the single most like influential book i've like heard a lot of people are reading but i do think you have to be in the right moment yeah and for we briefly mentioned this but we'll just probably end with this is that if you're a male just if you're a male in general, read Models by Mark Manson. Yeah, that's a fantastic book about, it's sort of about the laws of attraction. Um, so this this is essentially a book about dating. And before like you sort of get scared, it's like, oh, a dating book. This is, it's a book everyone should it, read. It's a book every male should read. Just, um, even, yeah, I don't know, even females could learn something from it. But yeah, it's this all is about, the guy that wrote The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. It's all about investing in yourself and stuff. And yeah. I would recommend it to anyone. Yeah, mm. and It's every, about how to have better relationships with everyone. And so Adam, Adam gave like, See, I've seen that book in the shops, like, and I, part of it interests me, but then part of it's also like, I, that just feels like a book I, that some no, some influencer yeah, is just like, yeah, doing it this. looks like, oh, you need to have a fact you're reading a dating book. Like, yeah. It, it, it's Lose not like ego. it at all. Like, we, we've probably recommended it. Seven, to, I've recommended seven people. They've all said it's been like the top three books I've ever read, or the top yeah. book. Yeah. Really? It's, yeah. it's one of those word of mouth things that not that many people know about, but yeah. it's really influential book. Yeah. Right. Okay, beautiful. Well, Humans of Sydney, go check them out. They might not be Humans of Sydney for that much longer, but <laughs> we'll, put, we'll put the link to their channel in the description. You can go check out the video we made uh, on their channel from a while ago. They also have a bunch of other cool videos. Um, it's been fun talking. I think we we got to some good places um, today. and We could have talked for a few hours. And yeah. We could have. And we're thinking of potentially, we floated this idea in a group chat of doing a, a less sober one in the future, which we might do. Uh, let us know what you think of that. But we'll, um, we'll hopefully we'll, we'll bring you guys back on because I enjoyed it. And um, we'll see everyone again soon. Cool. Thank Bye. you. Bye. <laughs>